No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life. I ask you that you'd minister to my heart. I ask, Lord, that you'd speak to me in a way that I can understand it, that will open my spiritual eyes so that I can hear your word and understand your word and do your word and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we finished the series, The Art of War, and I just wanted to read the active church story for anyone who might have had the misfortune of missing church last week. If you missed church last week, it was an absolute disaster for you. We need to pray for you afterwards. Just come up afterwards. And it's an even bigger disaster for those who aren't here this week. But anyway, the reason why we do everything that we do is this. This is the active church. A church that is alive and vibrant as its name. This church is active in its families, in its communities, in its city. In fact, it is active everywhere. This is a church where the Word of God is, is active. Active in its core, active among its partners, active amongst its congregations, actively being sent to those people it is evangelizing. The active church is a church that is going somewhere. We, the people of the active church, are on our way to heaven. We, the active church congregation, are loudly calling out the name of our Lord. We're changing lives, changing families, changing schools, bringing empowerment to the economically disenfranchised, bringing hope to the hopeless, bringing restoration where there's devastation, bringing love to the motherless, bringing family to the fatherless, bringing finances to the financeless, bringing God to the godless, bringing Christ to the Christless. The active church is going somewhere on the way to greatness, thereby making loud the praises of the Lord our God. We can't fix this nation, but we can fix our block. And if we can fix our block, we can influence others to fix theirs. We ardently believe that indeed one block can change a nation. We're a nation within the nation of South Africa. We are the nation that belongs to the kingdom of God. We are actively kingdom-minded. We worship of the everlasting God. The Father of Jesus Christ is our number one sport. We're serving the Lord our God is our number one priority. And as a result of our kingdom-mindedness, we are salt to assault this generation. We are a light to, to a generation stranded in darkness. We're a city on a hill, a city that is there for all to see, a city that can never be hidden. We are the active church. The active church is going somewhere. Somewhere is a place where the people are so numerous as to form one huge throng, an army, an army of God, mighty and strong. An active army that has been completely restored by God. An army of people full of purpose, so full that we can't take anymore. We are, we are an army that does not have time for nonsense because we're too busy with kingdom business. We see an active church that is 600,000 strong. We picture a stadium full of people whose lives are transformed because they have a powerful relationship with God, are forming solid families, and they are changing their worlds. The active church is a church where God is restoring the life of its partners by replacing what the devil has stolen from them. The active church we see is a church where we find adults with marriages restored and strengthened, with singles that are finding their soulmate, with a passion for the kingdom of God, with a passion for God, they are awesome parents. 
The active church we see is a church where you find youth who are living for their God-given purpose, living with a passion for the kingdom of God, having a passion for God. They are awesome students. The active church we see is a church where we find children that are exhibiting brilliant behavior because God is healing them of their past. Their wounds are being healed. God is real to them. We see a church where our God reigns. Therefore, we are a church where hope is restored, life is renewed, Christ is received, justice prevails, racism dies, people are people, and God is God. This is the active church. We are a church that is going somewhere, a church that is headed for the overflow, an overflow where we overflow our facilities. We are the active church, a church raising a new generation, a generation that will change this nation. To God be the glory. Amen. If you believe that, let's give a shout of praise to the Lord our God because He's the one that is doing it in our midst. Amen. And I want you to understand something. We're starting a new series today. And the series is entitled The Mark of a Real Christian. And this story talks about people who have the mark on them of being a real Christian. And the church is full of people that are real Christians And the sermon today is entitled Love. Now I want you to understand something about the real church. The real church is a powerful church. The real church is a church full of power. The real church is a church full of the presence of God. And therefore, the real church is full of love because God is love. I want to tell you where the presence of the Lord is, there is love in abundance. I want to tell you where the presence of the Lord is, you cannot escape love. And Romans chapter 12 verse 9 from the New King James Version says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now the church is defined by a congregation that is filled with love. And we spoke last week about the fact and the week before as well, is that the church is only, you're only part of the church when you come to the gathering. You cannot say you're part of the church if you don't come to gathering because the church is the gathering. And if you missed the last sermons and you had that disaster in your life, you can go and catch it either on the Active Worship channel where you can see the full service of the last few weeks or on the Active TV channel on YouTube. Amen? Now, the church is defined by a congregation that is filled with love. And... The people of the world are searching for love. And I want you to think about something. If you look at the LGBTQ movement, how do they present themselves? How do they present themselves to people that are out there? They present themselves as a movement of love. They go there and they portray to everyone that they are a movement of love. And they use the word love because people are attracted to that. And so what they want to position it as is to say, right, anyone that is against the LGBTQ movement is actually against love. Oh, how terrible. And they use that and they get away with a lot of stuff because they use the word love. But I want to tell you love is not defined by what you do with your sexual organs. Love is not defined by how you chop your your sexual organs off or how you mutilate them. That doesn't define love. Okay, I want you to show me in the Bible where the Bible says love equals sex. It doesn't. That's not real love. The world doesn't know real love. 
And real love is what separates the church from the world. I want to say that to you again. Real love is what separates the church from the world. Now, if we want to be a church that has real love, then we have to have an environment of love. And an environment of love is only built through strategic focus. We only build an environment of love when we focus on it. And let's be honest, most people claim to love others. When you have a daughter and she's young and some other young buffoon comes along and tells her, you need to sleep with me in order for me to see that you love me. That's what the world says. Girls, if a guy says that to you, slap him in the face and knock three of his teeth out. He's using you. He's abusing you. Tell him, get lost, sucker. He is a sucker. And you know what? Many of you girls aren't going to listen. And you're so foolish. Tell the person next to you, these young girls are so foolish. That young man claims to love that girl because he wants her body. He doesn't love her. He loves how her body can make him feel for five minutes. He's using her for pleasure. But the truth is, many times when people claim to love others, they only pretend to love others, and that's why the world is so lacking in trust. Have you noticed that the world has no trust? There's no trust in the world because most people only pretend to love, and deep down we know that people only pretend to love us, and so every time someone does something for us that looks like it may just be love, then what happens is we don't trust them because on average, the person that says that loves us, we know they don't really love us, they're just using us. Where there's a lack of love, therefore, there's an abundance of fear. And so looking within the church, I want us to read Romans 12, 9 again, but this time from the NLT. It says this, and this is to the church, it says, don't just pretend to love others. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Listen to me, when people pretend to love people, it breaks down trust. When people go around the world, all they see is other people who pretend to love them. I mean, if you look at it, just the place where we see it, and it's it's just so obvious, is when we look at politicians around the world. They come to the people who they want, they're asking the people to vote for them, they say, I love you so much. I love you. Just give me a cross. I love you. Give me a cross. Give me a cross. Give me. But I love you. I love you. If I'm in power, I'm going to do so much for you. I love you. (laughs) Every time they show you some oak that now says there's a woman and maybe has had some operations and things like that, he comes, I'm just so full of love. We just love being LGBT, being, 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 you know, being bisexual or, or, or being transgender or being whatever. It's just love. I, I just love you. I love you. And, and the, it's a gap. I love you. I love you. I love you. That's always how they're portrayed. But it's a pretense. And so the world knows what fake love is. And then here's the issue. When people come to our homes and they see real love, that attracts them. When people come into our homes and they see people in the home that really love one another, that attracts them. 
When people come into the house of God and they see real love, that attracts them. And I want you to understand that there's a challenge that comes out of that because really loving people requires that we hate what is wrong. It doesn't just require that we don't want to do what is wrong. It requires that we hate what is wrong. If we hate what is wrong enough, then we'll hate hate it more than the parent benefit we get from doing wrong. The start of you overcoming temptation is that you hate what is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that you go around judging people and hating them and all of that kind of stuff. That's not what that's saying. But you hate what is wrong. And it also means that we cling to what is good. And here's the thing. If you want to be filled with love, and if you want to be an overcoming Christian, then we have to get to this point where we love with the work of our hands when God fills our hearts. So if we will open our hearts to God, He will fill our hearts with love. And then what happens is, in response, we love with our hands, the work of our hands. In Psalm 34 verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. This is what I want to say to you today. God is longing to share His life with you. I want you to look at me. Even all those kids there, get off your phones for a second and look at me. God is longing to share His life with you. I know some of you, you sit here and you think God just wants to take from you. No, no. God is longing to share His life with you. What do you think would cause Him to allow His Son to die on the cross for you? How much must must He be longing to share His life with you? Because He can't share His life with you if you have sin. And the only way that He can get you to a place where you don't have sin is if he's sorted your sin out and poured his wrath out on the sin, but poured it out elsewhere so it doesn't pour out the wrath on you. And he's longing to share his life with you. He wants you to be able to be in a position to see God provide for you and your family and to see good health. I really believe this with all of my heart. But the thing is, if you're going to have that kind of a relationship with God, then you should learn to see the blessings of God through faith. Now, in order to see the blessings of God, and I'm talking about just to see them, not to achieve them, but to see the blessings of God takes hard work. Because everything in our natural selves does not want to see the blessings of God, and in fact cannot see the blessings of God. It takes hard work, and the hard work that, it is, that is required is that we look at the tree of life, and our tree of life is Jesus. I want to tell you that God wants you to work very hard with all of your life to focus your eyes on seeing Jesus and to seeing Him through faith, because that's where all your blessings are. Close fellowship with God 
comes when you do this. And when you have close fellowship with God, He puts a seed in your soul. He gives you a seed in your heart. And that seed comes from Scripture in the form of a promise. And if you will continue to walk with Him and to have a relationship with Him and to live a life where you're saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Where you're willing to sacrifice the things that God tells you to sacrifice. Then what will happen is that promise will grow to reality for you. And I'm asking you today, when last did you see the promise of God grow into reality for you? Because let me tell you what's going to happen. If you don't see the promises of God growing into reality for you, you're going to compromise and you're going to sin in order to get that, uh, you know, stuff that, that feels the same to you as the promises of God would feel for you. For instance, and, and, and there's a lot of young people here today. Many young people grow up with a desire for a soulmate. They have a desire in their hearts for a soulmate. And God has a promise for you of that. But now you don't believe the promise of God. You don't focus your eyes on Jesus. You don't put everything on Him. And so what do you begin to do? You begin to compromise. You begin to get into relationships that you shouldn't get into. And you start doing things in those relationships between the sheets when you know when you're ready to be a parent, things you shouldn't be doing. You hang out with people that you shouldn't hang out with because you're compromising because you believe that you have to make it happen to get that desire fulfilled in your life. The same as, why does someone become a hijacker? Someone that goes and hijacks people in their cars. They don't believe the promise that God will sustain those who serve Him. God will provide for those who serve Him. And when you're living by faith, the, the, the seed, this, this promised seed that the Lord puts in your heart will begin to grow and eventually one day it'll become a reality in your life. And the ultimate reality is going to be one day when you walk into heaven. Because that's the first promise He puts in you that because of the blood of Jesus, because of all of that stuff, because of your faith in Christ, one day you're going to walk on the streets paved with gold in the new Jerusalem. The blessing of God doesn't come through the work of your own hands. You do need to work, but the blessing comes when God blesses the work of your hands. If you're just trying to obtain the blessing with the work of your own hands, you don't understand the spiritual realm. There is a curse on the earth, all over the earth. And it will taint the work of your hands. Some men make a lot of money with their own hands, without the blessing of God. And the next thing they find out, their child's a drug addict. So even if you get what you're working for, it'll be tainted. The blessing does not just come through the work of your own hand. But you can receive blessing when you look to the tree of life, which is Jesus. When you have close fellowship with God... And it gives you a word. It sows a seed in your heart. And if you will continue to nurture it with faith, the promise of this will grow into reality for you. Philippians 4 verse 19. 
This is what the Apostle Paul says. And by the way, he says this in a time when he's facing tremendous challenges. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Listen to that. That's a promise. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So you can confess that this word is for you. And that you believe that God will bless you and He will prosper you. And that as you're fulfilling His purpose, He's going to provide everything that you need to fulfill His purpose in your life. And this is when your needs will be met because you've conquered by faith. And you realize God always wants what's best for us. Even in the times when you don't understand what's going on, God always wants what's best for us. However, in order to know what is best... You actually need to experience it as He gives it to you. You see, sometimes we're asking for what we think is best. But what we think is best is the worst for us. We need to know what God views as the best for us before we start asking for it. Which implies you have to have a relationship. And we can only know the blessings of God when we experience them. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 18, it says that wisdom is a tree of life. For those who embrace her, those who laid hold of her will be blessed. Wisdom is a tree of life for those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. And now I want you to realize, and I want you to look at me. We're going to be having communion in, in, in a little while. But God treats us exactly the same way as He treated Adam and Eve. I want you to listen to me now. I want everyone to listen very carefully to what I'm saying. He treats us the same as he, had, as he treats Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a choice. They were placed there in the Garden of Eden, and every, everything that their heart desired was there for them. They just, I mean, whatever fruit they wanted, they just had to walk over to a tree, take the fruit, and eat it. Whatever they wanted was there for them. And then he said, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat from that. And he gave that tree there for them as a test. And God gives a choice to every one of his children. Every one of us that are here in the service, every one of us that are online, we have the same choice. And that choice comes to obey him or not. One of the choices he gives us is... The decision to give tithes and offerings. That's a decision only you can make. And if you are faithful in this area of your life, you will be taking from the fruit of the tree of life. If you do not tithe, you will be taking from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is just one example because, you know, worldly people will actually discriminate against you for tithing. Trust me, the banks will discriminate against you for tithing. Listen to what I'm telling you now. The world hates it when you tithe. The world despises it when you tithe. And why? Because the world is, is inspired by the devil. And the devil hates you and he doesn't want what's good for you. And so that's one of the things... That you can do with your hands. Now I want to ask you a question. And sometimes you've heard me ask this often. But how important are your hands to you? 
I want you to think about all the things you do with your hands. Most of the things you do, you do them with your hands. I mean, we had some guitarists over here. Imagine them trying to play the guitar without their hands. We had a drummer sitting there. All he can do without hands is boo, boo, boo. If he goes boo, 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 you know, like with a fancy beat or whatever. Or the vocalists. To be on the system, they need their hands. Now, thinking about this, I want you to think about part of that active church story. We are the active church. The active church is going somewhere. Somewhere is a place where people are so numerous as to form one huge strong. An army, an army of God, mighty and strong. An active army that has been completely restored by God. An army full of people that are full of, sorry, an army of people full of purpose. So full we can't take anymore. An army that does not have time for nonsense because we are too busy with kingdom business. How, how, how are we busy? With our hands. How, how do we build this army? We build it with the blood that Jesus shed from his hands. I, I want you to think about hands. Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross. And when the enemy nailed the hands of Jesus to the cross, his intention with that was to stop the work of God. If you look, for example, in Exodus 15, verse 4 to 7, we see that when Pharaoh was hurled into the sea, it was at the hand of God. We see that all of those, those um, plagues that the Egyptians went through, it was with the hand of God. The hand of God is powerful. Anytime we see the work of God, the Bible refers to it as the hand of God. And I want you to think about the hands of the Son of God. Because the hands of Jesus performed supernatural miracles. I want you to think about the hands of Jesus. With those hands, He gave life. When Jesus went like this, He gave life. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 25, after the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went up and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. This was a girl that was dead. He took her by the hand, she stood up. She came back to life. Hands that give life. They were healing hands. Jesus healed people by laying hands on them. In Matthew 8, verse 14 and 15, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, and then she got up and prepared a meal for him with her hands. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus healed her with his hands. What does she get up and do? She takes her hands and prepares a meal for him. Every time we're serving Jesus, there's something He's healed us from. There's something He's restored us from. We're responding to the good work that He did for us. The healing work that He did for us. Luke 4 verse 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laid, laying hands on each one of them, He healed them. As a follower of Jesus, understand the power He has placed in your hands. The power for you to go and pray for people and lay hands on them. I know sometimes people might die anyway. But I can't tell you how many times we've had stories in this church where someone has gone and prayed for someone. And a miracle has taken place. Amen. Just this week I heard a testimony of someone who I prayed for. They were in dire straits. And I prayed for them. Because I didn't have money to give them. And the same day I prayed. Within a few hours they got a job and the next day they got the money they needed for their rent. I was shocked. 
For some reason, I'm always shocked when God does it, but He does it. So why can't you pray for them? Even all those kids there on their cell phones, why can't you guys pray for them? Hey, Daniela, why can't you go pray for them? You can go pray for them. And see the miracles of God. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. All right? Jesus had providing hands. His hands provided. The disciples are freaking out. He's got 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And what happened? They come and say, Jesus, you better send them home. We don't have food for them. Jesus said, you feed them. They said, Jesus, are you nuts? Are you crazy? We don't have enough food to feed these people. He says, what do you have? Well, we've searched the crowd. All we've got is five loaves from a little boy and two fish. We start his lunch. That's it. So Jesus says what? He breaks it. He prays. And then he starts putting it into their hands. He says, now you go feed them. He provides what they need to feed the people. And so with his, loaves, with, with his hands, Jesus made five loaves of bread and two fish multiply to the point where he fed 5,000 excluding the women and the children. And when placed in the hands of Jesus, the little multi- multiplies and provides for the multitudes. I want you to look at your hands. What has Jesus placed in your hands? He will take the little and he will multiply it for the multitudes in your hands if you will trust him. <clears throat> Jesus had hands that bless. When the parents wanted Jesus to bless their children, how did he bless them? In Mark 10, 13 to 16, the people were bringing their little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. He took the children in his arms, he put his hand on them and he blessed them. He took the children in his arms, he put his hand on them and he blessed them. Notice that Jesus would not allow anyone to stop him blessing the children. He blessed them by laying hands on them. And you need to understand, look at your hands again. You need to understand the power that Jesus has given you to lay hands on others. Jesus did it. He's our model. Look at your hands. He wants you to go and take those hands and lay hands on them and pray for them. He wants you to go lay hands on people and bless them. When we do that, we release the blessing of God to them. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, it says, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon the, the Niger, Lucius the Cyrene, and Manuan, who had been brought up with Herod, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The church commissions people for ministry by the laying on of hands. I want you to look at your hands. Those hands, look at your hands. Those hands are God's instrument to release His power. He wants to release His power through your hands. I want to give you a powerful testimony of someone who was determined to believe the Word of God and who was able to see an amazing miracle take place. Her name was 
Corin Vieira. And it's a story that's told by Pastor Cesar Castellanos in his book, One Drop of the Blood of Jesus. And it says, in, in December 2010, my sister Aileen Vieira was in a motorbike accident and she received a, ma- a minor fracture in, to her hip. As the days went by, she started to feel sick and her belly swelled. When we took her to the emergency room, they diagnosed her with kidney stones and treated her with medicine. However, her hands, her feet, her face, and the rest of her body began to swell up as well. After carrying out several tests, the specialists established that Aileen had a perforated large intestine in the accident and she required surgery. When she was diagnosed, there was a 98% probability that she would die within 24 hours because the infection had spread through her whole body. When I heard the news, I found a quiet place to pray, applying the blood of Jesus and exchanging my sister's DNA for the DNA of Jesus. After 40 minutes of surgery, the doctors informed us that the perforation the, the doctors informed us that the perforation had released contaminating fluid into our whole body and that they were surprised because the other organs had inexplicably created a wall of protection to prevent contamination, saving my sister's life. That, li- that night, Aileen had four respiratory arrests and her heart stopped beating for several minutes. She was in a coma for several days, but she woke up on the 16th of December 2010, her birthday, declaring that Jesus had saved her from death. Can we give the Lord a big shout of praise? Amen. Amen. Now, there's two things I want to say. The first is we won't understand everything in this life. But the second thing is you are called to be praying for people like that. You are called when something happens, when something terrible happens, not to freak out, not to start worrying, not to be all concerned, not to say, oh, 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 we better be careful, you better rest, you better whatever. No, 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 no. We are called to get into a place and start applying the blood of productivity, which is where the gifts of the Spirit lie, and begin to start praying for people. There is a sound. Spirit knows it. It flows deep within. It's overflowing. Oh, You are my melody Jesus, you're the anthem And even in the silence Or amongst the noise Without any beat or 